welcome. I am your host, Nicole Nyberg. I am a neonatal nurse practitioner and also a proud preemie mama to my son, William, who just happens to be a former 23-weeker. So if you are a current or former NICU parent, you have come to the right place. I have been exactly where you are and I know what you're going through. We will be discussing all things related to the neonatal intensive care unit for preterm and term infants, as well as some of the emotions and struggles parents endure along the way in the NICU and beyond. So tune in and get ready to become educated and empowered. This is the Empowering NICU Parents Podcast. While I make every effort to broadcast correct and up-to-date information, medicine is constantly evolving and advancing, and I continue to learn new things each day. Every NICU baby and their journey is different, and every institution varies in their practices as well. So please, always consult your obstetrician and your infant's physician for any medical issues or concerns. I am presenting from my personal experience and knowledge. My opinions do not represent that of my employers. For infants in the NICU, especially those born prematurely, breast or bottle feeding effectively can oftentimes be a challenge. Maturation and developmental issues impact a premature infant's ability to adequately coordinate sucking, swallowing, and breathing. Yet, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, attainment of adequate oral feedings that fully support growth without physiologic instability is a skill that needs to be fully established prior to an infant's discharge from the NICU. But what is the best way to achieve full oral feedings in a developmentally supportive manner? Today, we review cue-based feeding programs and why there has been a recent shift in the paradigm to move away from volume-driven feedings in the NICU. I discuss what places NICU infants, especially those born prematurely, at an increased risk for oral aversion and how we as caregivers and parents can minimize the risk. I discuss the benefits of cue-based feedings, including how it promotes a more positive feeding experience for the infant and caregiver, its ability to support an infant's neurodevelopment, as well as the findings from some recent research studies. If you are a clinician and curious about implementing a cue-based feeding program into your NICU, then stay tuned to hear all of the potential benefits. And for my parents who are listening, you will learn how beneficial it is to learn your infant's behavioral cues, which will ultimately support your infant's development in the NICU and at home. You will not want to miss it, so stay tuned. This episode of our podcast is sponsored by Solly Baby. I have to let you know about Solly Baby and their incredibly comfortable baby wraps. The baby wraps are hip healthy certified, so you can hold your baby close to you for hours without pinching or straining your shoulders and back. They are made of a lightweight and silky soft material and evenly distribute your baby's weight across your upper body. The Solly Baby Wrap was named Best Wrap by New York Times Wirecutter Magazine. And they have also been worn and are loved by some of Hollywood's most beloved mamas and mom and dads just like you. Comfortably tuck your baby in and head to the store, care for your other children, or go to the park with ease, all while keeping your baby safely snuggled right up against your chest. See why this wrap was selected as the top gift pick for moms by Vogue and has been featured all over the web and in print 
from Parents Magazine, Martha Stewart, and The Today Show. Check it out, plus Sally Baby's super soft, lightweight, and adorable sleep gowns, sleepers, swaddles, knotted hats, and crib sheets in simple classic patterns at empoweringnicuparents.com forward slash Solly. That's empoweringnicuparents.com forward slash S-O-L-L-Y. Or find the link in our show notes. I know there are a lot of tips I love to give new NICU parents, but one of my favorite bits of advice is to always celebrate every milestone your baby or babies achieve during their NICU journey. If you have not figured it out already, you will quickly learn that your NICU baby is incredibly strong and resilient. The milestones they conquer each and every day will absolutely amaze you. Do not miss out on celebrating and capturing one single milestone along your baby's journey with our NICU milestone cards. We have a collection of 26 milestone cards that are unique, colorful, and gender neutral to help you capture every one of your baby's milestones during their time in the NICU. Each card has a place for you to write the date your baby surpassed that particular milestone so you will never forget it. I so wish I had beautiful milestone cards to see each achievement my son William surpassed from opening his eyes to no longer being on phototherapy, being weaned off the ventilator, to taking his first bottle, and yes, eventually graduating from the NICU. Go and grab your baby set of downloadable milestone cards at empoweringnicuparents.com forward slash NICU products or Find the link in our show notes. Now back to the episode. Premature infants face several short and long-term health consequences due to their preterm delivery. In regards to their ability to adequately breast and bottle feed, preterm infants are unable to effectively orally feed due to their inability to coordinate sucking, swallowing, and breathing. The ability to coordinate these reflexes is a neurodevelopmental skill that does not begin to develop until infants are 32 to 34 weeks corrected. Infants fed orally prior to this gestation are at an increased risk for coughing, gagging, aspiration, and apneic and or bradycardic episodes with or without oxygen desaturations. But attainment of adequate oral feedings that support adequate growth without respiratory compromise is a skill that needs to be established prior to an infant getting discharged safely from the NICU, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics. Additionally, infants in the NICU, but especially preterm infants, are at an increased risk for oral feeding issues. The feeding difficulties are multifactorial, and may stem from the negative sensory experiences in the NICU, which may include intubation, nasal and or oral gastric tubes, suctioning, and poorly timed feeding experiences. Not only do the feeding issues often prolong the infant's length of stay, but it also increases their risk for readmission after discharge secondary to poor feeding. And sadly, studies have shown that infants with feeding difficulties are at a higher risk for negative cognitive and motor outcomes in the first year of life. When premature infants are initially introduced to feeding by mouth in the NICU, their motor and sensory neural pathways are developing. 
As Altemeyer and Phillips stated, maturation and developmental issues in premature infants do affect oral feeding success since only 53% of brain cortical volume is present at 34 weeks gestation, right as they are beginning to attempt oral feeds, which I think we often forget since a 34-weeker appears fully developed and is just small. But we must remember that their brains are still pruning and adapting based on their individual experiences. Any stress that is brought on during feedings may alter the sensory motor pathways in the brain and adversely affect the infant's ability and desire to orally feed. The newborn's brain is capable of making both temporary and permanent changes to the strength and number of its synaptic neuronal connections. With neuroplasticity, the adaptations are based on the influence and interaction upon sensory input from different stimuli, environmental factors, and the infant's unique experiences, whether they are positive or negative. So while an infant is in the NICU, both functional and dysfunctional synapses are being pruned based on the infant's experiences. Keeping all of this in mind, it is imperative that all efforts are made to minimize the negative NICU experiences to reduce subsequent impairment and disability, and this includes an infant's feeding experience. To minimize the risks for oral aversion, the foundation and the initiation of optimal oral feedings should be done in a developmentally appropriate manner. With preterm infants, as they begin to orally feed, it becomes a quote-unquote learned experience, and therefore every effort must be made to ensure it is a positive experience. Keeping this in mind, we have learned over time that we must also attempt to reduce the stress that may be accompanied with oral feeding attempts. The caregiver must attempt to create a safe, effective, nurturing, and pleasurable feeding experience for premature infants. A major component of the effort to bring about a pleasant and non-stressful feeding experience for the infant is the shift in paradigm to move away from a volume-based culture to implementation of a cue-based feeding approach. Now, back when I started working in the NICU, which crazily is over 20 years ago, I was initially trained in the culture of focusing on an empty bottle while feeding our little ones, regardless of how it got in. Sadly, it makes me cringe now, but we would twist the bottle or move the nipple in and out of the mouth, whatever we needed to do to get the baby to finish the bottle. The nurses who were able to get the poor feeders to eat, or those who could quote-unquote get more in, were the more accomplished nurses. As Shaker states, the focus was more on increasing intake or volume rather than enhancing the quality of each feeding attempt. Within this culture, a successful feeding attempt was judged based on the volume of intake rather than mindfulness of the infant's nonverbal cues or physiological distress. According to Mary Coughlin from Caring Essentials, with the focus on volume, it can result in prolonged oral feeding times that may interfere with sleep. Proper sleep has the potential to optimize neurosensory and motor development, growth, brain plasticity, learning, and memory, which all in turn contribute to a foundation for successful feeding. With volume-driven feeding, the nurse or caregiver will often push beyond some of the known infant stop signs of either disengagement 
or even worse, they're signs of stress. And unfortunately, if the volume-driven feeding method is then taught to parents, it does not allow the parents to learn the infant's behavioral signs and can often lead to oral aversion. It is a challenging task for a preterm infant to attempt an oral feeding. As I always try to explain to parents, it's just like us adults attempting to run a marathon without proper training. Taking that into consideration, as I previously mentioned, infants often display physiologic stress during and after feeding attempts, like an increased rate of breathing or increased work of breathing, heart rate drops, apnea episodes, and oxygen desaturations. The caregiver who is feeding the infant must pay close attention to any of these variations, which are indicative that the infant is under stress. Preterm infants actively communicate through their behaviors, which help to guide the caregiver accordingly. It is necessary for the caregiver to understand and pay close attention to where the infant is on the cusp of becoming stressed. The infant's communication should guide the initiation, timing, the need for necessary pauses, or whether or not the feeding attempt should be discontinued altogether. The caregiver must reflect and choose interventions that not only support the infant, but that also respect their limits. As Shaker spoke about in her 2013 paper, this co-regulated approach is guided by the infant and may change moment to moment. With co-regulation, the caregiver anticipates the infant's needs throughout the feeding, responds accordingly, and ultimately creates a positive infant-guided feeding approach. Although the volume of intake is an important measure reflective of discharge readiness, it must be considered contextually alongside the infant's development, gestational age, and quality of each feeding attempt. The quality of the feeding trumps the quantity ingested. Therefore, individualized interventions like non-nutritive sucking and developmental care have been shown to be effective to support the transition from gavage or tube feedings to independent oral feeding. Because at the core of it, developmentally supportive care is based on the caregiver being able to interpret the infant's behaviors and to proceed accordingly for each individual infant. Cue-based feeding is an approach in which the caregiver determines how and when an infant expects to be fed based on their behavioral cues and signals. Since NICU nurses care for infants for extended periods of time, especially if the unit utilizes primary nursing care, they are in an ideal position to identify cue-based feeding behaviors. The cue-based feeding methods are typically nurse-driven, which also allows for increased autonomy over traditional feeding protocols, leading to an increased sense of empowerment. Some of the common infant cues the caregiver should monitor for include arousal, moaning, fussing, relaxed facial expression, eyes fully open, bringing hands to their mouth, grasping, brooding, or attempts to suck on a pacifier or finger all demonstrate hunger cues and readiness to feed. One of the cue-based feeding programs, Infant Driven Feeding, or IDF, is a validated, research-based, structured feeding method that standardizes neonatal cue-based feedings and matches the neurodevelopmental stage of the preterm infant. It is a developmentally supportive and neuroprotective program 
that has been shown to reduce the length of time from initiation of oral feeds to full PO or oral feeds and decrease the NICU length of stay. It consists of three behavioral assessments that are based on a numeric scale and include evaluations for feeding readiness, measurement of the quality of the feeding, and caregiver technique guide. The caregiver starts by assessing the infant's appearance and behavior prior to the feeding. Since we know that state organization and ingestive behaviors are regulated by the same autonomic nervous system, it makes sense that the infant's appearance and state are great predictors in feeding readiness. The quality of feed is also evaluated by assessing the suck, swallow, breathe pattern and the physiologic markers of feeding quality. Finally, the caregiver support portion tracks techniques which facilitate the infant's quality of the nipple feeding. The goal is to make feeding more consistent with developmentally appropriate feeding practices. Additionally, the IDF method involves the family early on to seamlessly transition the family from NICU care to home care for more successful long-term feeding practices. With the infant-driven feeding program, there is a specific chapter that is also dedicated to breastfeeding, and studies have shown that breastfeeding rates improved with the implementation of the IDF program. Educating staff and parents about infant cues, both stable and stressful cues, are the foundation to successful and developmental appropriate care. By implementing a validated tool, it promotes consistency in assessing readiness and caregiver techniques, which minimize oral aversion and ultimately encourage a positive feeding experience in the NICU and beyond. But you may be wondering, what does the research show? Well, in a 2021 study, Thomas et al. studied the implementation of cue-based feeding and found that its implementation supports best practices by demonstrating patient-centeredness based on earlier attainment of full oral feedings, decreased length of stay, and increased parental involvement. They also mentioned that it enhanced the nursing staff's empowerment to take the lead as patient advocates in infant feeding practices. A 2022 study by Samani et al. found that behavioral cue-based feeding in premature infants demonstrated multiple positive outcomes, including weight gain, fewer oxygen desaturations, and a decreased need to use a gavage tube. They recommended that implementation of a feeding protocol based on a close observation and a true understanding of the infant's behavioral cues should be utilized. They recommended that implementation of a feeding program based on close observation and a true understanding of the infant's behavioral cues should be utilized. A 2022 study by Elahi et al. that looked at the impact on an infant-driven feeding initiative on feeding outcomes in preterm neonates, and they found that infants who utilized the IDF method had a shorter time from the first nipple feed to discharge. They attained ad lib feedings faster, and they were discharged home at a younger gestational age. In this particular study, they also found that infants included in the study had poorer overall weight gain, but attributed the slower growth velocity to earlier discharge and younger corrected gestational age. They also noted the impact of the IDF method on its ability to increase nursing autonomy and its ability to empower nurses, which led to an increase in advocacy for the infant and a strong desire to educate the parents. 
Unfortunately, despite research showing many of the positive outcomes associated with cue-based feeding, a gap remains between what literature supports as best practice and what is commonly practiced in NICUs. There remain a large number of inconsistencies in practice throughout NICUs. As with any type of change, it is often met with resistance from the clinicians, whether it be nursing, advanced practice providers, or even neonatologists. I strongly encourage institutions to review their feeding protocols and practices and consider reviewing a cue-based feeding program that considers a more developmentally supportive and individualized approach. To integrate the change in culture, it is recommended to establish a multidisciplinary team of clinicians with a subset group of champions to promote a smoother transition and practice. Oral feeding is a key component of family-integrated care. A parent being able to feed their infant has been identified as one of the most significant activities between a parent and a child. Positive feeding experiences for parents enhance their ability to bond with their child and it minimizes their parental role alteration. As I mentioned, it is essential that parents are educated on readiness cues and stress cues and are able to identify the infant's behavioral signals early. In doing so, parents become more empowered and feel more confident in their parental role to feed their infant in the NICU and especially post-discharge. I hope this podcast brought you some additional insight on just how important it is to ensure that premature infants have a positive feeding experience each and every time. We mustn't forget that their fragile brains are pruning and adapting based on each of their unique experiences and storing both temporary and permanent changes in their neuronal connections accordingly. How caregivers feed infants and respond to their cues prior to and during the feeding experience will impact their future ability to orally feed. Additionally, by creating a positive feeding experience, we prevent the risk for oral aversion and future feeding difficulties. Infants communicate with us, so we must learn to read their cues and most importantly, respect them during their daily care and with feedings. If the hospital where you work does not currently follow a cue-based feeding method, inquire about it. There are programs available that will guide, educate, and support you through the process. Be the change maker this year and help your unit move to a more developmentally supportive feeding program. For NICU parents, I encourage you to ask your provider or any of the clinician's questions. Ask how and when they decide if your baby will attempt an oral feeding. Believe me, I know that you want your baby home with you, and oftentimes it is their inability to finish feedings that can keep them in the NICU longer. And yes, it's tempting to push past their stop signs and proceed with the feedings because they may in fact finish the bottle. But ultimately, it is not what is best for your baby. So be patient and follow their cues because it will be so much better for them and you in the long run. Next time, we will be speaking with a guest from Dr. Brown's Medical, who is an expert on the infant-driven feeding program. So make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you will not miss out. For show notes and links mentioned in the episode, as well as references, head to empoweringnicuparents.com forward slash episode 45.
As always, please consider sharing this episode with anyone who may gain some value from it. Until next time, thank you for tuning in to the Empowering NICU Parents podcast and have an amazing day. Remember, once empowered with knowledge, you have the ability to change the course. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Empowering NICU Parents podcast. For the show notes and any links mentioned in the episode, head to empoweringnicuparents.com. I would love to hear more from you on the topics you want to hear, so make sure you let me know in the comments section. Please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode and consider leaving a rating. Five stars would be awesome so we can help other NICU families. Remember, if you have any questions or concerns with your NICU baby, please consult their medical care team. Until next time, friends. Bye.